severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to another episode of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. And today's episode is a bit different to normal because it marks quite a big milestone in the podcast because today is our one year anniversary. It's, it's a year today since we launched this podcast and I'm one of those people that I'm quite a nostalgic person. I'm quite like a reflective person. I like celebrating anniversaries. You know, we'd done the special for the 50th a few months ago as well. You know, I quite like to mark these things and it's just quite a fitting episode for the for the one year anniversary because today's episode is was our first ever live recorded episode in front of an audience, which was incredible. So I will introduce that properly in a minute because it's an absolute belter what we have in store for you today. I was so privileged to get to sit down and do this live uh, podcast. It was an amazing experience for me. But before I introduce that, I kind of just want to take a minute to just sort of talk about what the last year's been like. It's, it's just mad. And I, I might actually get a little bit emotional doing this. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's crazy because when we launched this podcast last year, last November, like this was just sort of a thing in, lo- well, we weren't really in lockdown. It was that weird bit of COVID between where like we were in lockdown, we were out, kind of out of lockdown, but things weren't normal yet you know before the vaccines came and all that before the second lockdown and um, it was a weird time i just graduated from my screenwriting masters i didn't really know what i was doing with my life i was floating around working odd jobs doing creative stuff and obviously that that advert about fatima having to retrain to be a ballerina the, that government advert came out and that sort of angered me and i thought what can i do as a reaction to that and of course this podcast sort of emerged from that and originally it was just going to be me interviewing some friends, you know, interviewing people I knew that were creative and quite interesting to me. And that's what we did. The first sort of 10, 12 episodes are people I kind of knew a bit from uni or, you know, people I didn't really maybe know well, but knew a little bit and things. And that was great. And we sort of put them out and people sort of liked them. And what this has become now is mental to me and it still blows my mind like I pinch myself every time I sit down and do one of these intros that people actually listen to this podcast so I cannot express enough how grateful I am for this podcast how grateful I am that people listen to it still and just how much I enjoy doing it this has changed my life and I'll stop going I know this is a very long intro and I'm getting very soppy but I just I just wanted to say that because wow what a year I'm so proud of what this little thing has achieved like you know we'd had some amazing guests on amazing people on this and yeah thank you to everyone that sort of supported it and and to our patrons as well guys thank you so much like you you basically cover the cost of this podcast so I can do something I enjoy it's just it's incredible and I actually am feeling quite moved right now, so I maybe should introduce this week's episode. But um, honestly, wow, thank you so much for the last year. It's been it's been incredible. And thank you to Elliot as well for, for editing this. He sort of came on board last minute and 
I just couldn't have done it without him, so thank you, mate. And thank you to Amy as well for doing her art. There's so many people I w- would love to thank. Uh, anyway, I'm getting a bit emotional. Let's let's get on with the episode. Just This podcast has just done so much for me, so I'm very, very grateful, and I just I cannot get across enough how much I love it. But anyway, we have an absolute brilliant episode in store for you today. The, last week, I was asked to come and do a live podcast for the Scottish Youth Film Foundation, and I got the chance to interview two brilliant actors who I'm quite a big fan of their work. So we have, today on the podcast... Live in Edinburgh from last week, we have the wonderful Sarah Vickers and the wonderful Andy Rovney. And Sarah and Andy are great. Sarah's just done Guilt, the second series. She was one of the main characters in that. She was fantastic. She's been in shows like Endeavour. She's been in shows like Watchmen. She's done so many great, great things. And Andy as well. He's been in loads of stuff. He's been in The Victim, The Spanish Princess. He was in Mary Queen of Scots film. He's been in loads and loads of stuff. They're both great, well-known Scottish actors. They're very, very generous with their time. And it was also, it was incredible to get to sit down in front of an audience of young filmmakers and see them learning from this. Like, I, as I say, we launched this in my bedroom on Zoom and to be in a room with people again, it was it was incredible. So I hope you enjoy and yeah, just massive shout out to the Scottish Youth Film Foundation as well. Go and support what they do. It's an amazing organisation and charity for what they do for young people and it all fits into the ethos of what this podcast is about. Anyway guys, thank you for listening to this really, really long intro. It was a, a bit of an emotional one for me. I've just done this in one take. I'm not even going to edit this or Elliot isn't anyway. But honestly guys, thank Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. And happy birthday, just get a real job. Anyway, without much further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this first ever live Just Get A Real Job podcast. Uh, We started this about a year ago this week, which is, you know, really fitting um, in lockdown. And we mostly have been speaking to emerging creatives from various like backgrounds in the creative industry so it's really nice to to be here and be live and and have these great guests so thank you both for being here today and thank you for coming on just get a real job thanks for having us Brilliant to be here thank you yeah well a first question i sort of want to ask you i know you're both patrons of this festival so i just wondered if you would want to quickly talk about why you're patrons of the festival what what you feel it does and and why you what you enjoy about it most well i wanted to get involved because I, when I was growing up in Edinburgh, I didn't feel like there was anything like this um, on offer. Um, I was part of a youth theatre, but there was nothing film-wise. And I, I remember kind of wanting to get into film later on and thinking, being jealous of people that had had a bit of experience. Um, because it's, it's a bit of a minefield. There's a lot going on. It's very technical. And, um, and I just think it's... It's nice to be able to have that grounding when you're younger and also meet lots of people that have a similar outlook to you and, and want to get involved um, in the film industry. And you can make connections. You know, I'm, I'm still friends with lots of people from youth theatre even now. Um, and, and I think the, the more of those connections you can make, then it's better when you get older and then you can pull on those different um, connections and, and, and people that you know. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, well, I, I worked with David Barris when I was 17 at a, um, a youth group for film. And it was just a random uh, encounter, really. And I was 17, and we did a film called The Master, and um, it's, only a, it's only a movie, which is a documentary. And we got to go down to London at a festival with that. And, um, you know, it was just harking back to thinking about that memory and, and what Sarah was saying that there's not a lot of opportunities for young people to get into filmmaking. And I had that, I was lucky to have that opportunity and these organisations that David was running were so invaluable to me. And um, 
I just want it to be part of something that can open up that opportunity to younger people and um, I just I had such a great time on that on that film, um, The Master, so yeah, just to be part of something like this, it's great, it's just a great uh, privilege, so yeah, I just wanted to uh, try and do what David did really, be part of something he's still creating. Great. No, it's, it's a great thing uh, that you're both doing, and um, thank you as well to everyone for being here today. Um, but you actually both know each other from Shetland, because you'd actually been in the same programme before, so like, before I get into the rest of the question, do you want to talk about that briefly? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how we know each other. I don't want to give any spoilers. No, no, but in case you want to watch it. In case you want to watch it, but it doesn't end well for you. No, no. Uh, let's just say, yeah. Um, no. Uh, well, I suppose that is a good, but it happens quite near the beginning. So do you think we could... <laughs> Oh no, no, no. I, I see that, yeah, yeah, I can see why. I've for, got, for you as well. I've it's, dug it's, myself a hole. Yeah, in it's okay. <laughs> so, Sarah and I worked together on Shetland back in 2015, and um, we, yeah, we just, we auditioned for, for our respective parts, and then we just, we met up in Glasgow, and then we went up to Shetland, didn't we? On the ferry. On the ferry. And we filmed on the ferry as well. It was a great job, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I think that what's great about filming is you meet people on these jobs and you'll, you'll run into them throughout your life and you create these, the, these friendships and we hung around in Shetland with you know, the cast and just had a great time. It was a, it was a brilliant, brilliant job. Yeah, one of the good things about filming is that you get to uh, go well, lots of different places that you would never go. You know, mm-hmm. Shetland's actually quite expensive to get to, so oh. Thank you. Get coffee brought to you. Coffee brought to you. That is lovely. Um, I'm going to go turbocharged now. Um, yeah, that you get to go great places um, and and meet lots of different people. And you know, I don't I don't know. Would I have gone to Shetland otherwise? I'm not sure. But that, the job took me, and and I absolutely. It's just such a beautiful place. So there's so many you know, positives to getting into the to the film industry. Um, yeah, travel being one. <laughs> no, it's the best part of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I've been on some sets before and it's always the funnest part is like getting to go to like random locations, random people's houses, random gardens, you know. It's always the funnest bit. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we like to start the podcast. The first question we normally ask is, and we're going to ask you to both kind of wind your minds back a wee bit, but what was your earliest creative memories? Do you remember when you were young and like when you first decided you want to be an actor and stuff? Thinking I, hard. I am... Um, <laughs> It was. It wasn't really a conscious decision for me. It was a. It was a steady state of being in the school shows when I was in primary school, really enjoying that. And it kind of. It became clear to me that acting was the only thing I could do reasonably well. You know, <laughs> I wasn't very academic. I struggled with maths and physics and chemistry. Acting, though, well, I was moderately good, and uh, I just. I just decided. That, that was it for me, you know, why, why would I struggle with something that I don't enjoy and uh, even my physics teachers and maths teachers were very supportive um, and did say you're, you're hopeless at physics but go off and try uh, being an actor and you know that's all you need really so just supportive people around you and that was it really for me and my parents you know with some cajoling got on board you know because of course parents are one of your best, I've got your best interests at heart, so they're a bit scared when you say, oh, I'm going to be a, an actor in a job that has no security. Um, of course, they don't want to hear that, but then they realise that it makes you happy, then they'll, they'll support you. So I was very lucky to have supportive people, both 
at home and in school. And that's what prompted me to go ahead and do this career. Great. How about you, Sarah? Um, I, I remember when, when I was wee, we always used to do plays with my cousins and um, they always gave me the lead role. And I was, I was like, but oh, no, no. And I remember there was one where we, we did a Christmas play and I got to play Santa. It was very exciting. And, and I remember um, suddenly going off piste and starting improvising. And then there was a whiskey bottle on the table. Then Santa became drunk. This wasn't, you know, all pla- <laughs> this wasn't planned. It just happened. And then, you know, people started laughing. And I was like, oh, I think I'm actually... You know, I've got people on side here, and so I, that was my first memory of of <laughs> my improv and it going it going well. Um, and Santa, it's not really something I'd be cast as. So. I can see it. <laughs> don't 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 limit yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I, that was quite young, mm-hmm. and then I remember at school wanting to to. Um, always read the bulletin at high school and nobody wanted to read the bulletin for some reason and you people go I want to do it I want to do it because again it was about the only thing I was good at that people that one thing that people really struggled with mm-hmm. I was like I find this actually comes quite easy you know um, so the path of less resistance you mm-hmm. know as Andy was saying I was like this this is something that I don't I don't have to try really really hard at it just you know there's a there was a there was a kind of natural want there um to to do it and um yeah people seem to to um like what i was doing so (laughs) well it's worked out pretty well for both of you so far so you know you've done okay um and sort of on that like another question which kind of feeds into this is about how where you're both from and how that has like really affected you both in your career so far so like first of all where are you both from and how has that like had an impact on you as a creative person or as an actor etc um, well, I'm from Belerno, which is on the outskirts yeah, yeah. of um, Edinburgh, and um, I'm trying to think how that our, our drama department at school wasn't very wasn't very good. That's a common one on this point. Yeah, it was. We had a great we had a great setup. We had a huge mm. big studio. We had a lighting rig. Um, you know, um, in the 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 all the, the seating banks could be changed, so it could go in lots of different formations. But um, sadly, the, our drama teacher was ill a lot, and we always got substitute teachers. And um, yeah, but despite all that, I still pushed through. But it was it was it was um, the Lyceum Youth Theatre, so it was a youth theatre in Edinburgh. That's what really I would say what Edinburgh did for me was was yeah. that place because um, I went from about the age of fourteen, and um, yeah, absolutely loved it. And yeah. I think that is why I'm here doing what I'm doing now. Brilliant. Um, I I grew up in Bowness. Um, it's a town outside of Edinburgh. And to counter Sarah, I was very lucky in the Bowness Academy had mm. a really fantastic music department and a drama department. Yeah. So Mary Gilchrist, uh, giving her a shout out from the drama department, and Jan Cunningham and the the people that she managed were just wonderful, and they would put on school shows and. Um, Sylvia Dow, who's a, a playwright as well, she'd come in and, and uh, help direct the school shows every year. And we were so lucky to have that. And that was very nurturing. And um, I also went to youth theatre in Falkirk, where I was the enviable role of the one part of the Yellow Brick Road in the Wiz. So uh, I was 
uh, part of a Gilbert Road. And I felt like that was it. That was the pinnacle of my career. And, you know, um, it was all downhill from there. Um, of course, I'm joking. Um, uh, but th these organisations and, and the school of Bonus Academy was really useful to me and did help push me on. And I, th I felt like I didn't come from, uh, you know, there's no actors in my family, there's no, my brother's a musician, but I felt like it's good to have that support, if, especially when you don't have anyone in your family who uh, is an actor or a part of the business. Mm -hmm. So to have that to push you on is very important and invaluable, really. Yeah. So, yeah. That's something that comes up on this podcast like time and time again is how important your network is in this industry. Like, no matter what you're doing, whether you're an actor, scripted, or what, you know, whatever it is you might do. And, like, you know, finding those networks for the first time is so important because I, I suppose even for you guys as well, it must. The TV industry and film or whatever, it seems like almost like far away, like it's a different world when you're younger growing up, especially if you know maybe come from like a working class background or something, it's like, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to be possible to, to be part of it. So like that, having those networks, I think is just so valuable and important. I also think that um, I, I can understand that it feels like a different planet, a different world, mm -hmm. especially film and TV. And how do you bridge that gap? Yeah. And it's how you like you say, your support networks, um, what organisations you're part of, your experience as a young person, meeting people, working together with people, that will help you no end when you go, if you want to go into the film industry, that you have this wealth, wealth of experience already, you know, just, yeah. um, just being here, just learning is so important because that will uh, lessen the gap, you know. So um, I, I understand how daunting it can be, but you know if you work hard and be open to the possibilities of what this job can give you, then you know we can do anything really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and speaking about Bowness and as well, I, I was reading that when you were doing American Scots, you actually got to film really near where you're from and stuff. I did. Well, it must have been really special. It was. I filmed in Blackness Castle, and that and my my mum and. Our family, they grew up right beside Blackness Castle. My dad's from there. And that was a real, just a lovely moment. And it's just one of those things that you've got to shake yourself. You know, you look back in, well, 28, 29 at the time, and you look back and you go, well, 15 years ago, I could never have imagined I was working on this film. Um, just, you know, and there are always moments where you have to reflect and go, you know, look how far you've come. And if you could speak to yourself in the past and go, you're going to do this and that, you're going to, this is going to happen to you, that's going to happen to you. You wouldn't believe the person. So that's how amazing this job is, is that you never know what's going to, what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, it was amazing to do that. That's brilliant, that's brilliant. Um, and, and sort of on this where you're from theme, um, and one, one of my favourite questions we ask in the podcast, but do you have a favourite word or phrase from where you're from, both of you? It's a, very, it's a bit of a hard one to that's put on the spot. So many good Scottish words. Yeah, there's loads, isn't there? Oh, and my pa as well. He was he was big on on like the old Scots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would kind of bring out like bring out different ones, and and and, and my mum would be like, "Oh, remember he used to say that." <laughs> Try to think of something really random that he used to say. So, um, one of the ones was uh, a turkey was called a bubbly jock, <laughs> which I was just like, "Come on, yeah, that's good, that's, that's good. good." So I feel like we keep that, even okay. although I don't eat. Turkey, um, but you know I like that. And um, uh, what other ones? 
Goddle. Things like Goddle, Goddle and, yeah. and Fankle. <laughs> I've, I'm now just going to see this is the thing. It's all just going to be Scots words that I... Gleek it. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there are others. Um, <laughs> uh, is that a phrase as well? Is that a f- I just either or. Either or. Well, you know, I, it sounds quite passive, but what's for you won't go by you. That's a great one. We've had that a few times. I, I, I think yeah. I feel... That, and I feel that that's something to really think about is that it's not actually you not doing anything, you know, not, not sitting back, but it's just allowing you to recognise that there are things you can control and there are things you can't. And uh, um, I'm going to put up my imaginary glasses up my bridge my nose there. <laughs> it was Marcus Aurelius who said, uh, talked about Stoicism, and he was a, I'm correct, a Roman emperor who coined this, this way of being, Stoicism, of taking control of what you can. And that can apply to anything in your life, whether it's learning, dealing with emotional uh, strife. There are things you can control and things you can't. And what's for you won't go by you is essentially that. And that's what's got me through to relax regarding this job, regarding other things, is that there's only so much you can do. Um, You can't control outside forces. So just focus on what you can do and uh, just by being here, that's something you can control. Absolutely. No, that's a great phrase. We've had that a lot. That's one of my grand's favourite phrases mm-hmm. as well. So I've always used that in my own career too, so I love that one. Uh, very good, very good answers. Um, well, again, I, just, I wanted to take us back a bit as well, but I wanted to sort of talk about your first sort of, your first big break sort of after drama school and stuff. Do you remember like what the sort of first roles you both did that maybe like helped launch you into where you are now? Oh, I see, this is... I feel like I'm going through a bit of the moment where I don't really believe in breaks, big yeah, breaks. And I feel like constantly saying to, getting annoyed at people being like, oh, what was your big break? Or when is your big break going to happen? Or, yeah. you know, and my dad used to say to me when I was starting out, oh, you'll get your big break soon. And it would mm. just absolutely, it would wind me up because yeah. I just think, wait, what I'm just waiting for this thing that's supposed yeah, to happen yeah. and to change my life. And actually, now, I just see my career as a series of jobs. Yeah. Because even things that I think, oh, surely this one, surely this one <laughs> will change things. It, it doesn't. It, it's, yes, I think it, the, the, you know, it does help when you've got more experience, you know, mm. that, that, but not always. I mean, that's that famous story of Tilda Swinton who won, didn't she win an Oscar? And then she didn't work for a year. So, you know, there's... I, I do I do struggle. I think mm. for some people, very few people, they have that one job that catapults them. Yeah. But it's but I think it's very They're rare. They're the one percent. Yeah. I mean I think there's that saying that statistic it's not probably true, but the actors who are working are in like the ten percent or the one percent or whatever. But those people who have that huge rise to start them after one job, that's incredibly rare. Mm. And I feel that that gets publicised a lot in the media and in general I think we look to these people going well that could happen for you and it's so rare and Sarah's absolutely right your career is just a series of jobs I could look back on a few jobs that I've had that I've went oh this is it this will be it Mm. and that way leads to disappointment because you can't view your career like that I mean Sarah's been in the amount of stuff I've seen just that are like watchmen or or whatever that she's been in, and go, Sarah Vickers, and I, you, she's absolutely right. She's, you know, you've done amazing work. You've been in amazing things, and you keep working. That's how the way to look at it. You know, you can't look at it as an end result. I can't look at 
my career and go, that was the moment that I, my life changed. Yeah. Um, I think it's a series of events. Mm. Um, and I think your attitude is the most important thing throughout it, is to realise, you know, you've got to keep on moving forward, learn from the job you've had, enjoy it. Yeah. And in that way, things come to you. Yeah, because you know? yeah, when I was thinking about that question, I was thinking, I don't, as much as I think, oh, mm. there's not really that path that I, I think there is for people, yeah. there was that one moment where my first TV job mm. out of drama school, and I only got it because the girl who got it couldn't do it. She got another job. So, the, and then after that one bit, then doing that one little bit of TV, then people yeah. people do start going, oh, okay, well, she's done a bit of TV, so maybe, you know. It, so there was a little, you know, cr- yeah. crack in the door there. Um, but I just, I keep thinking to myself, if that girl hadn't turned that role down, yeah. if she hadn't gone on and done some other thing that she did, yeah. and I think, well, you know, it's just so weird, and that's the, what, what's for you won't go by you, all that, um, and just how you have to have the timing so right and yeah. everything... Everything it's all about timing, to be... isn't it? It's just luck a lot and timing. It's just sometimes just the doors open. And you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't expect that. Because I remember not getting the job and being gutted, and mm. then, and then of course, then you find out that you were so close. You mm. were next in line. Yeah, you know. I feel like your hard work allows luck to happen. Yes. Yeah. So I think a break, if you want to say it, was uh, I did a, a theatre show called The James Place, which went down to London, and that opened the doors for me to be seen for more things and. Etc. Etc. But I had worked for years in development for shows at the National Theatre of Scotland, and you know, working on roles in the development process, and then it's going to shows, and you're not in the show, right? So that's that's hard to take, especially when you're a bit inexperienced. Mm-hmm. But you apply yourself every time, and don't don't bring your an attitude in, or you know, be bitter. Because you've just got to, it's just work and it's experience, and I do feel that the work I put in all those years before um, helped me secure the part that I played, and that was going to go to someone else, and that person couldn't do it. So it's exactly the same situation: is that it doesn't matter. You're you know, you're you're right for the part because you put the hard work in, and luck and timing help that make that so. So I think hard work is the key, really, and timing and luck will follow. Yeah. Yeah. And being nice as well. Being nice. <laughs> it's a huge one, isn't it? Yeah. I think a lot of people forget that. People it's, talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people talk. So if you're not nice and you're difficult to work with. Oh, yeah. The thing is that, that, that people, like, once you get up there, you know, you can, you know, the Hollywood stars can start, like, throwing their dummies out of the pram. Yeah. But, yeah, when you're, di- when you're starting out, yeah, people... People, you know, you need to be nice and, and, and get along with people, and and so. Mm. And just realise that everyone's trying their best. You know, everyone's trying to muddle through this this career or, uh, you know, whatever. So it's it's being nice, but uh, trying. It's a genuine empathy for other people if you can. Sometimes it's hard. Some people don't give you <laughs> no the much option, to work with. But much to work with. <laughs> but. If, if you're open and eager, and enthusiasm is a huge thing, mm. being enthusiastic at your work, people love that. They love because it. they want you, they, they want to be surrounded by people who care, who care about the work. And a director said that to me, he went, you got the job, 
because you were so enthusiastic, went, thanks very much. I mean, uh, I, hope I brought other things to the table. Went, no, it's just you're eager and uh, very keen. Went, okay, okay, let's move on. Um, but he's right, though, is that you want to be surrounded by people that bring the best out in you. Yeah. So, you know, bring your enthusiasm. You know, being cynical doesn't really help you. It'll just hinder you in the end. So if you choose the job, go for it and enjoy it right. as well. Thanks for the, the, like, some great answers, lots to sort of unpack of that. But, um, I know, sorry, we all, went off no, and on no, no, and on. Brilliant, that's the best part about doing the podcast, you know, you get to have these great conversations. But I've, I loved what you said about the break stuff as well, because again, I've just played into that media perception, like, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm like, why did I ask about it? Do you know what I mean? Because it's right, there's like ups and downs as well. Like, you know, people have like an up in there and then they, you know, especially in this industry, so... It's not really always one way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But well, it's difficult when you're not in it and you're not mm. doing it. I would, I thought the same. Yeah. I was sitting around waiting for this big break, yeah. you know, until you realise that you're, you may as well, you mm. know, not. <laughs> may as well book a holiday, <laughs> and then you'll get a job. Yes, that's always the thing. Keep yeah. yourself busy, and then <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything will clash. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And, and the stuff about being nice and enthusiastic. Like, I'm very early in my career, and you know, a couple of years in. But I think pure enthusiasm gets you so far. Like the amount of people that just will ask you to come back and do something because you you know were keen or t- took an interest etc. So I think that's great advice as well to anyone listening in the future or who's here now or watching. Work. It's a you know, wide audience today. It's great. Um, but just you've both been in so many stuff like shows and things as well. So it's, I'm probably going to not be able to ask about everything. But first of all, Sarah, I wanted to talk about Gil because I love Gil. I've, I've always tweeted about it, like you know I, I love the first series and obviously you were just being series two, which was out last week, which I tried to save her. Just watched all in two days. Um, <laughs> but obviously you played you know Roy Lynch's daughter and stuff and that. But how was that? Because you you were like a pretty big role in it. So yeah, I yeah. You... I was I was petrified. Remember when they gave me the role? I was like, what? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, oh, they've made a mistake. They've made a mistake. Because that's not the kind of characters I normally play. Mm. I don't normally get the badass. Mm. It's normally like quite sweet, you know. Um, so I remember, I just, yeah, I, I thought, is there something that they've seen in the edition that it was a fluke, you know? Um, but anyway, that's just my own... Uh, <laughs> There we go. That's my inner monologue coming out. We all have imposter syndrome. It's great when you meet people who are further on the career that also still have it. Because it's yes. so right, isn't yeah. it? And it's so important to talk about it yeah. because because I think that um, so many people don't talk about it and then mm. you think you're the only person that has it and then yeah. it sometimes just talking, you know, even uh, Mark Bonner and I would have a mm. chat and he was like, oh, I feel like sometimes I don't have a clue what I'm doing <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, yeah. thank you. Thanks it just, it means a lot because um, when everyone else seems to like look mm. like they've got it covered and then you're just... You everyone's feel pretending. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's pretending. pretending. Everyone's like, yeah. it's it's the swan and the wee legs going underneath, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, yeah, I absolutely loved the job. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I just loved being part of it. And it's just, it's great writing. It's fantastic, it's, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's all in there and great soundtrack. And oh, The soundtrack is, is just incredible. I mean, I watched your, your BAFTA chat with like you, Mark and Neil the other, the other week and, yeah. and you were talking about the soundtrack and I think it adds so much to the show. Like It just enhances it so much. Yeah, yeah. well, I'd seen, they sent me like the locked picture version. Mm. So it's the kind of final edit, but without all the bells and whistles. So it's not yeah. been graded and it's not been had any music on it and I remember watching it um, with my husband and going oh god I don't know if it's as good as the first one I'm not sure I'm not sure is it a bit 
I, I got really worried because this was the thing about the first one going down so well and you, you worry, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it was me. That, I've ruined it. I've ruined it. It was just me single-handedly brought the shit yeah. down. And actually seeing it all finished, packaged up beautifully with the soundtrack and yeah. it just lifted it and, it, yeah, it was fantastic. It's a, it's, a, it's a great show, so congratulations on that as well. Oh, Very thank good. you. And if anyone has not seen it, please go and watch it as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard not to binge. It's so good. And there's only four episodes. You kind of want there to be more almost. Yeah. It works so well as a story. But you kind of thought, you know, you're like, I want, I want season three now, but um, I know, I know. Have to wait. Just need a piece of what I had, of who I was, just a piece, and I can get myself back from there. No matter who you are, man, you come out of there and you find that your old life has run for the hills. You are still four, Max. You've yet to learn. And if you're looking for salvation, you should aim more to war. Um, that's great. Thank you for answering that as well. And Andy, I mean, you've also been in loads of stuff, but I know last year the Spanish Princess came out, which mm-hmm. was you're you're involved in. Mm-hmm. So I was that. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Um, it was great. You know, I. I seem to have carved out a niche for myself playing medieval Scottish people, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, it was great, you know. That was a series that I love Scottish history. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm very enthusiastic about that. So, and to play someone who's re- a real character and who's quite complicated um, is just lovely. And you, you know, you've got a wig on. You're you're mud period costumes so you're there for 20 minutes lacing you up and it's great fun you know it's uh, and you know working with Georgie Henley and I actually got to work with a lot of Scottish actors Mm. like Brian Ferguson and Jamie Meekie and it was and Mark Rowley and it was just amazing fun and uh, yeah we absolutely loved that job Spain and England against our enemies so that my son is protected on his throne until that girl arrives we are lost I asked my mother once why I was not afraid of my destiny she said I may as well be fearful of my own reflection I give to you Princess Catherine of Aragon. God would have me wed the prince. Only then can I protect Spain. What was it filmed? Sorry, now I'm asking. No, go for it. Go it for was it. filmed, actually, it was set in Scotland a lot of it, but it was filmed in Wales and Bristol, yeah. actually. So, you know, that's... There's a lot of that doubling places up as yeah. there was um, what's his name Stephen Merchant on the radio the other day saying Bristol seems to be one of these cities that just doubles up as everywhere mm. and of yeah. course like Glasgow just did Indiana Jones and yeah. the Batman stuff and things as well and it's like double up as America so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Glasgow slash mm. and even US. in guilt like some because I, I mean I've lived in Edinburgh for seven years and like obviously some of it used to filmed in Glasgow yeah. and I'm, I'm like really sad I know something like that's not a leaf or that you know but then some of it is so I know I know <laughs> it's so so difficult but you've heard from the pot from the 
the Q and A thing yeah. we did, logistics in Edinburgh is a nightmare. No, I know a lot of crews are based in Glasgow and yeah. stuff as well. So. so sadly, yeah, filming is not easy mm. in Edinburgh. We don't make it easy. Yeah. Mm. So I did a job in the summer on Karen Perry, which will be coming out next year, um, which I was, a, I was a COVID assistant on, and it set we really weirdly my first big job in TV was set in my hometown. And we went from Fife, so setting Kirkcaldy and Glen Office and stuff. None of it was filmed there, so we were in like Stirling, Glen Office Police Station. It was bizarre, like being you're in your hometown, but you're not in your hometown. It was a really weird. <laughs> oh, I'm like, excited about it. Can, I can't yeah. wait for that to come it out. Looks actually, very good. Yeah, I'm very excited to, to see it come to life. I actually ended up being used as an essay randomly on one of the last days. They were like, nice. "Can you just give me a police uniform?" I'm like, "What? I, I can't act. I'm not." Like, <laughs> we'll look anyway. out for you. Yeah, exactly. That would be fun. Um, but sorry, just kind of got sidetracked from no. your, your question there, Andy. But um, I also my colleagues at STV Studios will, will be annoyed with me if I don't ask you about the victim which came out a few years ago mm-hmm. which, yeah so you played Danny in that so how, how did you find that that was a great show yeah it was it was a you know I worked with some amazing people on that show and um, James Harkness is just he was the lead essentially he is just incredible and he's had a life you know that's someone that's had a he's, he's had a life and he's doing so well and Kelly McDonald and Jamie Sivis yeah. you know brilliant and it was a hard subject, um, uh, very dark, and the role's quite dark as well. And it's yeah. it's. Were you the brother? I'm I'm the the boyfriend of Kelly McDonald's daughter. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, and uh, you know, it was uh, yeah very dark, but very rewarding. And people seemed to really it really affected people. And um, just to see the end result, just be part of something like that. Mm. It was quite, you know, the, the performances that were given, you know, I, you know, the actor Isis Hainsworth, she's terrific and, um, yeah, great. It was, a, it was a dark role, dark production, but mm. lovely people. They're very hardworking, very jovial, very light, but the material was very, very hard. But, yeah, uh, yeah wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was a very heavy show, very mm. heavy show, but um, no, you did a great job on that. I'm trying to work my way through this question because I realise we've only got 25 minutes, so I want to leave some time for for questions at the end as well. Um, but something yeah, I know you also talked about on that, so I had to keep going on about this bath the gear you did. I was just, it was my research, it's cheating in a way, it's great. <laughs> no, I loved it, I was like, wow, he's um, like a little mole, just um, like, you know. But like, you, you sort of opened up on that about the fact you're dyslexic, and I'm also dyslexic. We talk about this in the podcast a lot, we try and get people to be as honest about their experience, because I think it helps people see that, you know, you can be successful even if you have these things that are, you know, difficult, but you were sort of talking about how like, it takes you longer to learn lines and stuff, so how have you sort of coped with your dyslexia so far in your career, and do you have any strategies and things that you've been able to use? Um, yes, I mean, I find, uh, you know, I think it's slightly easier now, like there was, there was, there was a time where, before self-tapes, so before you could, basically when your agent would send you an audition, you would um, film it, um, yeah. uh, you can just film it wherever, and you've, you can take your time, and you can do as many takes as you want, um, but before that, when you had to go into the room, it was weird. I would learn the script and I learn my lines, and then I would go into the room and sit down, and then they'd say the first line, and then it was like I'd never seen this script before in my life. It was really odd. It was the oddest situation. And I did um, psychology actually at uni before, and we used to talk about learning and context. And all I can think of that it was was when I would go into a different room and try and remember it. it honestly, I would sit there and go. And they'd say something, and I'd go, "Sorry, is it me?" I, I, I it was just my mind went completely blank, and 
it really was, it was awful because I felt like my dyslexia was fighting so hard against what, yeah. I always was like, it, it, I said it's so cruel because it feels like it's a memory test yeah. and people are getting ahead because their memory is better Absolutely, than mine. Yeah. And uh, that was really difficult because I, I kept thinking if I could just remember it, then I would be fine. And the amount of jobs I felt like I lost because I couldn't remember the lines. And, you know, people would look at me like, she even prepared? She just come in here, like, mm-hmm. not done not done anything. And I'd be like, you should have seen my walls. They were covered in post-it notes. You know, my, um, my husband's take a picture of, it basically had this, this room in our old flat and it had a kind of sloped ceiling like that. And it was li- literally post-it notes mm-hmm. all the way up the mm-hmm. wall. And then me just squirreling away on the bed, like, with my highlighters and everything. And still, I just go in and... You know, it was just time pressure mm. and the pressure of a situation. I just could, I just fell apart. Um, Self tapes is great now because we can do loads of different takes and I can just get it right in my own time. Um, but even that, even when I start, you know, <laughs> I still forget everything. But when I'm on set, I'm fine because I've had the time. It's not this weird time pressure. Yeah. But I feel like there's certain things that I do. So I have a colour. If people are dyslexic, they'll know they have a colour and um, mine's orange and I always highlight all my lines yeah. in orange then every other character has a colour so you know um, and I tend to make it like blues or boys and you know all that kind of just basic stuff with, you know uh, stereotyping mm-hmm. um, but it's just easy for my mind to get and, and lots of pictures and colours and I kind of do it through yeah pictures and um, coordinating colours I mean, yeah. it's it's a bit of a mad system that I've made up. <laughs> but for everyone myself. has a different way of coping with it, etc. You find strategies, and it's, but I really appreciate you talking about because it it's great for people to hear that. Because I think it is getting better as a society in general of understanding like neurodiversity and stuff like that. And especially, I think the industry is getting better at starting to be aware of it. Like I get a lot of support. I mean, I'm a script editor and I can't spell, or like I'm a grammar's terrible. But like you sort of just find ways to cope, and yeah. you know, people help you. So but yeah. I remember t- uh, phoning my agent, being like saying there has to be some kind of help for us. Yeah. And they just went, sorry. Yeah, there's still there's still a lot of place, things to improve on, but I think just by talking about it, it makes such a difference. Exactly. So I really appreciate it. Exactly. Um, well, and Andy, another another question for you is about. I know you like teach at the the act like on the is it the actors community? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like talk about that for a bit. Like, do you enjoy doing that? That's an online course. Yeah. So that was that was the brainchild of Mark Rowley, an actor who is dyslexic as well, yeah. and he I worked with him on the James plays, and he had a, a, an absolute tome of a script with. It was like a madman's collection of, of scrawls and scribbles, but this is, you know, he collected all this information about the scripts. So I have fond memories of watching him work. And he thought that there was a gap in the market for online coaches who are actors, who are working actors, helping people who want, who want to go into the industry or tighten up their skills or work on self-taping or how do you look at a script. And it's myself and... A good maybe half a dozen to a dozen other actors who have been in the Last Kingdom with Mark and who have, who are working, all the time and they they come in and they they'll do workshops and it's mainly online. There are some classes down in, in London, and it's been it's been great. You know, it's I found it useful to go back on my own process to mm. try and teach that and go. How do I actually get away with this? <laughs> uh, and how do I make other people get away with it too? Um, you you. It's helped. I think it's helped me approach my, you know, each job differently as well, and made me think about what what actually works and what yeah. is just stuff that's 
I've kept from drama school or kept from, I know, from a bygone era and go, that's no use to me. And it makes things very simple in your mind. I think acting can appear to be, and it is, it can be appear to be a nebulous, um, very complicated act or uh, art, but if you prepare and you look at how you approach a, a script and how you, what do you want from the other person, then everything else with some work takes care of itself. And I think mm. it's just making it simple for people to, to get and not feel like it's intimidating them. Because mm. that's the main thing. And I've loved it, you know? Yeah. And it's great for actors because we, you plan a class for a month and if you get a job, then you can work around that. Because it's online, you can do it from a hotel room or, or whatever. So it's been very useful for me. And it's a great community, as, as we call it. So, yeah. oh, great. No, that, that, sounds, that sounds brilliant. And again, it's like great for younger actors and stuff coming up well, to learn from yeah. people like, like yourself that have done the experience. Um, well, the next question, this will be probably really helpful for anyone in the room, no matter if they want to be an actor or work in any part of the industry. And it's something we try and talk about in the podcast a lot, because I don't think as a society we talk about things like failure and rejection enough so so like how do you both first of all what's like would you say your biggest sort of career failure to date would be or creative failure and, and what do you think how do you personally deal with rejection is the second part of that question oh god quite a big question so yeah. i appreciate it like take, um, take your time. i'm not sure about the first bit but the uh, the rejection uh oh that's really tough and some you feel like they're they're that's it that you mm. you won't come back. Yeah, that's it. it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's, it's over. over. And especially if you're waiting so for so long with something and you feel like something went really well, um, yeah. I am. I don't know. I don't think I've. I think sometimes I'm good at the rejection bit, and other times it depends on where you are in your life. Yeah. If yeah. you're feeling like quite stable and there's lots of stuff going on, and um, I don't know, you're you're you've got a nice family something planned or in mm. you've got other things that are distracting you it's it's better it's easier to deal with yeah, yeah, but if you're pinning everything on that one thing it, it's really tricky really tricky um, i think that's exactly right i think um i saw an interview with brian cranston mm. in breaking bad and he said it's not your job to get the job it's your job to do the work and if you go in there with that attitude of I've done this work, I'm going to present it to you, and let's see what you think. And if, and if, they don't, if you don't get called back, that's fine, it didn't work out. But that's what you've got to, for actors, is you've got to have that mindset of, I'm here, I'm an actor, and I'm going to yeah. do work, I'm going to work on this script, I'm going to work on this character, and I'm going to present it to you. Mm -hmm. And if, it, if you don't like it, that's cool, but that's, I can't control that. I can control what I uh, apply myself to, um, with the script, what I look for, my attitude coming in. And it's still hard, rejection is still hard, but as soon as you take the power out of that situation where uh, I need the job, yeah. then you can deal with it a bit better. It still hurts. Mm. Career failure is a tricky one. I suppose I probably worded that question a bit badly to be before. What I mean by that is like, I just mean like a failure in general or a disappointment that you'd had to come back Dis from. Disappointment, like that, yeah. I think, Failure, I, you know, I think failure is the most um, feared thing, mm. one of the most feared things that people have, and it's actually the most useful thing, yeah. because you, you, you'll never learn, I don't think you'll learn from overly good experiences. I feel our mind is very good at painting over the bad stuff and colouring in the good stuff, and 
I think there's a reason for that because you know if, if we remember every bad thing that's happened to us we wouldn't want to do the job anymore yeah. but it's so important to not fear failure and failure is not is not an inherently bad thing it's a learning experience a learning tool and that's how you take risks and that's uh, with your job or how you you know how you go out in the world and you're open to the experience and you know disappointments it's mainly to do with if you've been filming on something for weeks yeah. and the part gets cut and cut mm. and cut and cut and cut and you, then you're just a, a torso in shot you know like <laughs> that's that's really that's really gutting because that's out of your control <laughs> but that's the way it goes and that's the only real disappointment I'd have I've not I, I couldn't look back on my my short career and go um, I wish I'd done that differently mm. or I wish I'd done that uh, uh, you know I wish I'd applied myself more you know if I wanted to do things differently, then it wouldn't be the same experience. So I think disappointment is generally to do with outside influences yeah. with a filming that's bigger than you. The film, the TV show, it's bigger than you. You've got to leave your ego out of it, really, mm. um, uh, as much as you can. But it can still be difficult to do that. It's not easy. Like, Especially with acting, you, it's, yeah. very, it's very centric yeah. on mm, you. I can imagine that it's a bit different. Maybe I, I suppose writing might be the same or something like that because it's a more kind of your work almost. It feels like it's kind of... Yeah. And I think as well it's easier now with the self-tape thing because it's, mm. that, it's that distance. So I now, it's much easier to go, okay, I'm going to do this little project mm. and I'm going to make sure I'm happy with it. I'm going to edit it together, pick the best take. You're quite in control, which I quite like. Yeah. Send it off. And I'm happy with that. You choose whether you're happy with that or not. And, and, you know, and then it saves the whole kind of like, thanks for coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that disappointed face that you get and then you're just like crushed there on the yeah. spot going yeah. oh and you know instantly you didn't get it where there's something about just sending it off into the ether and being like mm -hmm. yeah you know you can either take that or, or not take it and there's, yeah. there's a lot to be said about carrying yourself with a professional dignity mm -hmm. like Sarah's saying you know you put a project together you present it you you know I think that the, especially the film industry can feel very intimidating. Uh, mm. But you've got to have that attitude of, well, I'm a young professional, I'm working, I've, everyone's got to start somewhere, I've got, I, I want to learn more, but I'm going to carry myself going, this is my work, and what needs improvement? Or, um, what do, you, you know, do you like it? Or is it what you're looking for? I think that's better to think. Is the work I've done what you're looking for? And if it isn't, that's okay. I'll mm. keep... I'll keep working and changing and and uh, learning from these experiences. And you know, like Sarah's saying, with self taping, you've got the control of lighting and sound and the edit of the tape. That's intimidating at first, but you get used to it, and then yeah. you start to learn what works for you and what doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm going to try and speed through these last questions because I want to. I did want to give the the crowd some time to ask them if they want. Um, I had some sort of quick fires, but I'm just going to give you one, um, and this is again very hard. But if you could, I just wanted to know, and I suppose Andy, you played quite a lot of people from history, so maybe you'd already had the dream role. But if you could play like anyone from history, oh dear God, oh, who would you play? And again, putting you on the spot, a very hard question. Oh, that's very hard. From history, <laughs> history, or just anyone you admire in real life, I suppose. I mean, if it was Scottish history, it would be cool to play Robert Bruce, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, that would be, oh, be very interesting because um, he's quite a complicated person. Everyone from history is complicated. But, you know, uh, <laughs> that would be fun. Um, and, yeah, I think someone like that or, you know, yeah. Great. Yeah. 
It's a good answer. It's a good Thanks. answer. Sorry to say that. You're like no, no. I was just saying. I see. This is this is where the history books need to be rewritten because there's way what, more than men. You can't think yeah, of what the first thought. I know exactly. That, that's the thing. I end up going. Well, Mary Queen of Scots. I would love to play Mary yeah. Queen of Scots. Love to do a Lady Macbeth. I mean, I know that's fictional. Um, <laughs> cool, but well, I um, accept it. Well, except, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, actually, no. Macbeth was a real you character. Was Mrs. Macbeth there? Uh, well, she must. He must. Grew up. Your name was, I think. Oh, well, there we, we go. Got an her. Expert, yeah. her. Well, no, I'm just. I. I think. Yeah. Yeah. She was married to Macbeth. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, um. I'm trying to think. You could be be a Henry the Eighth. I could be. You'd have to wear a fat suit though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Not in his early days, though. No, no, I think he's yeah, quite. Yeah. yeah, he's got trim. He's quite trim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, no, they're good. Again, very hard. And this one, you please don't hate me for asking this, but like, oh, I know you both played lots and lots of like amazing roles. But do you have like, is there like a favourite like role you've had that really stands out to you that you enjoyed the most? I mean, you can give more than one answer because again, that is a really tough question. Mm. Favourite for different reasons, mm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. There are qualities of the characters that you love, true, and true. others you like. Oh, you know, as in, you can't judge a character, so, but on the outset you look and go, why are you doing this to this mm. person? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I think Spanish Princess was great because it was a, a very diverse role, as in, yeah. he, he was a bit of, could be a bit of a love interest and was a bit of a villain and a bit complicated. Um, and I think that had a huge, a wonderful arc for an actor because you mm. change uh, over time your ex- experiences of the character and the situation they're put in changes them and yeah. makes them harder and that's always fun to play um, I have to say Gil because okay. I mean no, it, was good. It, was great. Um, it was a great role and um, also it was the first one going back to having had a baby so for me that's like a, a personal kind of mm. a, a win there that mm-hmm. you know you can be a mummy and you know be doing uh, the job um, yeah. and also I have to put out there the Watchmen because I played a character that was so freeing in the sense that she had no memory or uh, not memory but like she had no sense of 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 a human being so it was really freeing because yeah. you you didn't have to do the whole well what's she thinking about that and it was like one aim she had was to please the master and that was it and she you know there were bits there were scenes where we were reborn and mm. you know you had to kind of discover the world mm. um and it was just it was a really wonderful kind of almost meditative process of just trying to blank your mind yeah. from everything so it's quite freeing so that as well. No, very good answer. I, again, you've both done so many like different jobs. I've, I've not had time to ask about them on the podcast. So I thought this would be a good way of trying to sort of encompass them all. Um, and of course, the, the name of our podcast is just Gary. Because as creative stuff, we'd always had, we'd all had that term. You know, Chuck does before. I'm sure people in the room can relate. But mm-hmm. what's the sort of worst part-time job or worst real job you'd ever sort of had to work in your in your life to sort of support your art? Didn't you don't we, have to name the company, by the way. But if didn't you want. we actually work at the same place? Mary King's Close. Mary King's Close. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really Brilliant. enjoyed. Just full disclosure, I really enjoyed Mary King's Close. Like mm. you know, it's a tour, underground tour. I did that for years. I absolutely loved it. Uh, probably gave tourists a lot of wrong information, <laughs> but that's what Edinburgh's all about. Lies, um, lies, ghosts and ghouls. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, and but we missed each other, didn't we? We didn't. We yeah, we weren't. We weren't there at the same time. Um, I, I didn't. I wasn't really a fan of it. I have no. to say, I didn't. It kind of freaked me out. I didn't like being. <laughs> you have to do this thing where you were ghost, a ghost, the ghost oh. shift. Yeah, we just had to sit in the dark yeah. for like an hour wow. by you yourself. I was so worried. They, had, they said they had asbestos on the walls. Yeah. And I was oh, wow. by, down there by myself. And I, I swear I could hear that little girl that they said was Annie. living down yeah, there, Annie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, I don't know. I, I, 
I kind of just look at the audience and everyone would just be like, oh, God, I'm doing a terrible job. This is awful. Yeah. Yeah. But that was nothing to do with the job. That was just me. Yeah. It didn't fit well with me. The reason we ask this question is so many people starting out have to work like a job they may be not a fan of. And they love this question on our audience because they... They, it just makes them feel better, and they, like yeah. everyone has a funny answer. Like oh, something frozen yogurt. I worked at a frozen <laughs> yogurt place. Um, Smoke. No, it was somewhere down in London. It was. Um, ah, okay. Oh, I shouldn't say. You don't have to name say. the company. Some people do, some people don't. But don't worry at all. We'll keep, yeah, keep, we'll um, keep it a secret. and I kept getting a row for not having like the perfect peak on the, the frozen oh, yogurt, um, yeah. and I was just uh, yeah, I was. I was like, <laughs> I don't care enough about I'll, the peak on your frozen yogurt. I worked in Tesco's for two years. Uh, when I was 17 till I was 19, I was at uh, Telford College. It was mm. known there, I think it's the... Is it College of Edinburgh? College of Edinburgh. And I felt like I'd never leave that place. Mm. I felt like I'd never, I'm never going to get out of this place. And it's, you have to remember that it's just, it's, just a, mm. it's just a process, you know? Things do come to an end. And there's sometimes you'll wonder... You know, you look back and go, actually, that was a great little job because it's it, regular, paid you well for what for the time you were there and you could do other things. So, I mean, I've done other jobs mm. up until about probably, say, seven years ago, I stopped yeah. doing other jobs. Mm, yeah. You know, I did jo- other jobs all the way through. Yeah. And my thing is, pick a job with a perk. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Whether it's free frozen yogurt or um, Go I don't on the know. ground in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, getting scared <laughs> to death. Right. Yeah, do that. That's but or or something that's related to what you like. That's yeah. why I picked that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So the, the, either mm-hmm. something that's related or something that, uh, yeah, perks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Well, we get five minutes left, so I'm going to try and let the audience if they'd like to. If anyone would like to ask a question, I think what might probably be best is if they maybe come up to the mic, I'll move out the road, um, just so we pick up the sound the first, okay? So if you want to ask a question, just have a quick seat, and you can be the host for a minute, take over, <laughs> there you go. Which film genre have you felt most comfortable being in? I, it's funny, because I got asked, I, I, someone said to me the other day, all you do is like crime thrillers. Oh. <laughs> I said, I was like, and they said, do you think that's because you're acting, so it's <laughs> crime thrillers? And I said, well, I think that's because what that's a lot of what's on TV. You know, there seems to be that. Mm. It, it's all, it's a lot of crime. Um, and and then I think, so I wasn't sure whether that was me or that was, um, but I, I think uh, for what I prefer doing, I do like that, the real high drama oh. um, side of things. Mm-hmm. I like to have quite intense storylines and mm. lots of twists and turns and for your character to be constantly challenged. Um, I do see why. It's a very interesting genre, I will say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a... Um, well, it's one of the most popular things on TV at the moment, isn't it? Everyone seems to want mm-hmm. to, to watch it. What about you, Mandy? Me? Uh, um, well, uh, I... Like you, you know, high drama or... I, I guess the writing that's based in a, a, a reality for the characters, so it's not... Uh, whether it's high drama, it doesn't have to be melodramatic, do you know? Um, so I, whether it's historical drama or crime drama, I'd love I'd love to do a bit more comedy. To be honest, oh. think for my gran, my gran would like to see me. <laughs> Son, you're always playing a Scottish king who gets murdered or something. So maybe maybe do a wee bit more comedy, like panto. I'd love to do. Love oh, to do I, people who do panto, they that's it. They just absolutely love it. They, they go back year after year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, comedy, I'd like to do a bit more. 
action comedy. Uh, that would be fun. <laughs> Why not? There we go. I mean, it, uh, it's a good mix. For, yeah, you have your crime thriller and then you have your comedy. I think so, yeah. Mix, mix the two together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With the action. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. A, mish, a mishmash with a bit of panto in, oh, yeah, in between. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bit of physical business. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Good question. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank for you. your question. Thank you. Thank you. Has anyone else got a question they'd like to ask? No one else? We good? Okay. Like, I can maybe, we maybe have time for one more question, which is actually fine because the last question we always ask on the podcast... Is, um, which I didn't think we'd have time to, but it's like basically what your closing advice would just be to anyone who wants to work in the creative industry in general or specifically as an actor from both of you. Yeah, um, I always, the one thing that people always say to me is that what got you through or what, what brought you to where you are now was um, when I was doing a, a show when I was much younger, um, there was lots of people that said to me, don't do it just don't do it and that was professional actors at the time just going don't do it just go, don't get into it just go and find something else and someone said to me is there anything else that you can think of doing and I said no this is it and they were like okay then you do it they said if you can think of anything else that you'd rather do and I think this is more specifically for mm. acting because it's yeah. so competitive yeah. they said if you can think of anything else you would rather do do that um, because the amount of people that tell you don't do it You'll never make it. I remember even when I was 15 getting into, um, I was doing a show at the Lyceum and the taxi man, um, I'd get a taxi back because it was yeah. late at night after the show. And the taxi man said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing a show at the Lyceum. And he said, oh, well, acting. And I was like, yeah, he's like, well, don't do that. Well, you'll never make it. Yeah. I thought even this guy who doesn't even know me is telling me not Again, to do it. it ties into the name of this podcast. It's such a common attitude. Yeah, people just and... say, don't bother. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think if you can think of anything else, and if not, go for it, because it, that is what will get you through. And, that, and it's that staying mm. power and um, the willingness to keep going will, yeah. will get you where you want to go. Absolutely. I completely agree with Sarah. You know, the same thing was asked of me. Is that, can you think of doing anything else? Because... If you can see yourself doing something else, I think you'll naturally just do that eventually because the, the career of being an actor is you know, it's quite an uncompromising one. You've got to you know, really dedicate yourself to it if you want to get to a point. And uh, I think if it's what you want and you can't do anything else or nothing else um, gives you that passion, mm. then go for it and apply yourself to it and also enjoy it because it's like anything you know if you if you volunteer to do it you might as well enjoy it you know and uh, yeah there's you know why don't you get a real job it is a real job it's just it's it's not as we know it you know like the working hours are sporadic the the money's sporadic but the memories you have from it are amazing and I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world you know I really wouldn't and if you get the opportunities it is the best job in the world fantastic yeah, mm. yeah. absolutely no, guys thank you very much for both for both coming on the podcast can we have a round of applause for thank you thank you very much thank you for asking questions thank you can I just before we wrap up can I just quickly I just want to give a massive shout out to my editor and sound guy Elliot Mitchell who's been a great part of this podcast sadly Tessa Positive Co couldn't be here today and also to my friend Noemi for coming along and helping out with the sound and taking photos. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you very much. 
Well, there you go. That was our live podcast with Sarah Vickers and Andy Rodney. Thank you again to them both. And thank you to Dave and everyone at the Scottish Youth Film Foundation for what you do. It's an amazing organisation. Also, when that girl asked the question at the end, like, that was so surreal for me like as I said at the start like doing this in my room and, and originally doing it on Zoom and stuff to be in real life and to see people engage with it like that was just a really really big moment for me and I'm so proud of us so yeah massive shout out to the team at Just Get A Real Job for what we'd, what we'd achieved and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as well if you did as always please encourage other people to listen share it with friends and family share it on social media leave us reviews and if you as well can support our Patreon page you can also consider doing that there's a link to that in the show notes but honestly what an amazing year it's been i can't believe it i'm just as i say it's i'm speechless to be honest it's if you, if you told me a year ago that this is where we'd end up being i just you know it's beyond anything i ever imagined so wow just incredible yeah anyway thank you so much for listening i um, hope you enjoyed today's episode we'll be back again next week with another episode of just get a real job and here's to another year of this podcast thank you everyone i hope you're well wherever you are in the world just get a real job